0: This week, we welcome John Rennie to the show. John is an accomplished chef with over 20 plus years of experience. We have a terrific conversation with John where we cover some of his past experiences working in the back of house environment, the importance of mental health in the industry, his current role working as a butcher, and his latest initiative, partnering with his closest friend, Wes Clausen, who we interviewed in episode number seven of this podcast, And together, they're launching a restaurant as both a social enterprise and a community-first, restaurant-second mentality. Enjoy the show.
1: All right, welcome to another episode of the Industry Podcast, uh, your favorite podcast where we tell the stories of the people in the service industry. My name is Kip. I'm your host for this evening and pretty much all the episodes. And with me, as always, is engineer, producer extraordinaire Dan Serretta that is me
0: <laughs> thanks for the lovely intro that yeah. is good i don't know about an extraordinaire but
1: uh well the show gets posted every week yeah I know that's that, true they so.
0: yeah, <laughs> call the doorstop, so that's probably more more appropriate but uh how are things going things are going well been yeah. off work this week so a couple of days away from the sweatshop so that's always a all right mm-hmm. A okay nice. by me working on my tan
1: right yeah yeah mm-hmm. So yeah, recording uh, July 13th, and we just are set to open for some indoor dining. That's exciting for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also got Max Vax the other day, so mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. I can make out with anyone in the city. Nice. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so that's exciting. Uh, it's weird. It's kind of like, I felt like shit the next day, but it's still like it was such a free, freeing yes. feeling. Nice, nice to feeling to have. know that you can walk around and not worry. Yep. Yeah. So as always, we have a great guest for you today, and we'll get to John Rennie shortly. I'll be bringing him in. But uh, we'll get the uh, sort of housekeeping out of the way first. If you haven't been listening to all of our episodes, I can't imagine why that would be, but uh, <laughs> you should probably. You can still go back and check them in the archives. So, late recently, we've had. Uh, last week we had a Jukey, the Tequila Fairy from Tequila Tromba. Correct. It was a fun conversation. Previous to that, we had some jackass yap about himself for a couple episodes. Yeah, and then that's uh, right,
0: Mister Kip Saunders. There's parts <laughs> one and two. Yeah.
1: Pre- and then the, uh, the super amazing uh aubrey slater interview that was also broken into two parts and is if you haven't listened to that one i can't recommend it enough yes our friend aubrey has lived an amazing life before that we had uh angela Ayale, the super wine girl and we had Alyssa dunn Alyssa dunn the badass bartender yes. so yeah so check them all out they, we've been doing this show for a while now what, ep- what episode are we on here
0: John's episode here will be episode seventy-one. Oh fuck,
1: man! It's hard to
0: believe. Yeah. So many about, Mondays we've been getting drunk together. That's right. It's about <laughs> Sixty-five more episodes than everyone thought.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, if you'd like what you're hearing on the show, then you should subscribe, rate, and review. That does help us out quite a bit. Uh, if you feel like you'd like to be on the show, you want to tell us your story, then just DM us at the Industry Podcast on Instagram. And uh, as always, a massive shout out and thanks to at Zach Hanna Design for all the amazing artwork. Zach actually just dropped us some new cocktail illustrations we'll be posting throughout the week. And you can check out his work on uh, the Industry Podcast Instagram feed.
0: Yes, and there's also a link to Zach's Instagram in the show notes every week as well.
1: Yeah, he's doing big things now. He's got his own thing going, so graphic design, hit up Zach Hanna. Well, now that we got all that shit out of the way, let's uh, let's bring in our guest, John Rennie. How you doing, John?
2: Great, uh, happy to be here, you know, just uh, just living the COVID life. Uh, I mean, when yeah. I mean, you're saying you got double vaccinated, you know, felt like shit the next day, but at least, you know, you knew something was happening to your body. Like, yeah,
1: exactly, yeah.
2: That, that exact experience, and I, yeah. I went to work the next day. And yeah, I just felt like it was going to collapse until like noon. And then Uh all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it just kind of dissipated and went away. I'm like, okay, I think it's the rest of this day. So
1: Yeah, it's weird. It was kind of like that for me as well. It's like I felt really crappy for like two to three hours and then I was good. So, yeah, yeah, that's an easy price to pay.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. Like it's uh, and, you know, for me. I was so pumped to, to get my first one because, you know, so being in the butcher shop and you see hundreds and hundreds of people every single day, mm-hmm. and, you know, you got some, some amount of distance because there's a counter between you, but it's still that like, you know, feeling very blessed to be able to like converse with people on a daily basis and not being stuck in the house. But at the same time, you have that like, oh, these are people that are really not doing things that they should be doing. And, you know, that's also not the best. So it was that daily kind of battle between hey I get to talk to people oh I also have
1: to talk to assholes so yeah you know. <laughs> I, I, my, my business partner actually got in a fight at your butcher counter uh, <laughs> with a guy who refused <laughs> who, who it was not wearing a mask and wouldn't stand far away from him and Justin was like telling him to back off. Can you just back off a little bit? And the guy's like, you, you're a sheep, you're wearing a mask. Like, all this stuff.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: so yeah, I, I, we know of which, of which you speak. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, I mean, at least, at least he wasn't getting in a fight with the butchers because like, you know, that's that's not really a fair fight.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. So uh, let's
1: talk a little bit about that. Uh, uh, maybe we'll handle this in reverse for a change just because you brought up yeah. the butcher shop uh, first. Why did you decide to get into the like sort of behind the counter butchering after some along in uh, as being a chef
2: so i mean for many years i think butchery was really it was going to be my uh, my retirement program it was like okay when i'm you know too old and de- decrepit to, to work the line anymore you know i'll take that slower paced job butcher some animal <laughs> Learn was kind of like a, a separate but similar craft and really it was just it was the right the right job at the right time so um i for many reasons needed to be out of the industry at least temporarily this job came up and and the timing worked exactly perfectly where i could give solid notice take a week off and decompress a little bit and then just start in from mm-hmm. the bottom So i mean it really it was in the back of my mind that it was something i always really wanted to do something i really always wanted to learn was this whole animal butchery right place right time came up really really smoothly and and just flowed into it and i think you know, it's one of those things that lots of chefs love t- to do that. Oh, we're gonna bring in a whole pig. We're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. But you never really get to practice it or at least not nearly as much as you'd like to. So, you know, you bring in, how many, how many pigs can you sell out of a small restaurant? You know, mm-hmm. it's like not that many, but then you go and do, you know, somewhere between like three and 10 pigs a week for like two and a half years. All of a sudden you're like, oh, okay. So now I know how to do this, that, and the next thing and, and you just you have a, a bit a much better sense of, okay, how can I actually use a whole animal in cooking? Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to going, okay, well I know I can get the chops and then I'm gonna have to grind some stuff and You know, I don't know if pigs have like two inches worth of fat on it. What am I supposed to do with two inches worth of fat, right? What are
1: you supposed to do with two inches worth of fat?
2: uh, Well, you make lardo, you render it, (laughs) you just eat it. Like the the pigs we get in there is just, I would literally just eat that fat. Like Mm. it's, I've always loved pork as a, (laughs) as a whole. Um, But this stuff, you know, because it's pastured and because it's raised on specific diets and stuff, like the meat or the meat is great and the fat is just like sublime mm-hmm. Like i would just drive a piece of fat and eat it like it was the meat wow so there's lots i mean there's lots of different things you can do with it you yeah you can cure it you can render it you can just eat it like straight on you know you're making making chicharrones with the skin you make stocks with the with the bones you know there's cuts that Uh, When you start getting into breaking beef, then you start seeing pork differently and you start going, oh, okay, well, here's like the, this is the skirt steak. So actually now I can use a pork skirt steak and like, who's using pork skirt steak? Not very many people, Mm. right? So you start, you start viewing animals differently and just getting those moves down again it's like when you're an apprentice at a restaurant and you have no idea what you're doing and you're like just struggling around and doing this and that and you're just hopefully getting through the day and not getting screamed at right. um, but then not that literally anybody ever screamed at the, at the butcher shop ever because it was just <laughs> the most chill place ever but you get into that groove where you start improving day after day after day after day and then you're able to see more things right so mm. you, instead of adjusting the thing in front of you you start seeing okay well you know how can they do this a little bit better a little bit smoother a little bit faster um, and then be able to pass that information on is you know it's huge and then also at the end of the day this, like, two and a half years of being away from the industry, in in many ways, has allowed me to look at restaurants and think, you know what, I might be actually able to go back and do that again, but Mm -hmm. differently okay so let's
1: talk about sort of how you got into so it sounds like it's kind of like you're you've learned a whole new craft this at this stage in your career which is pretty cool and this is obviously stuff they don't teach you in school i don't know anything about the back of the house still after all these years unfortunately <laughs> but that's why you have to bear with me that's why i don't do my own kitchens anymore thank you swine and mine uh <laughs> um, but let's talk about how you got into the industry in the first place what uh like wh- what was your first job how old were you
2: so I would have been like first job would have been 16 and it would have been like Harvey's Swiss chalet. So right, yeah. you know, like fast food, you know, nothing, nothing too fancy, but taught you how to move quickly, taught you how to like try not to burn yourself, you know, show up for work on time, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And that was, I mean, really that was just like, I got in and it was like, okay, I can do this. And I got good at it. And it wasn't, I mean, it was, it was fast food and wasn't, wasn't something I loved, but it was something that, you know, I didn't hate going into work. And a lot mm-hmm. of my colleagues were like, oh, this is the worst job ever. And I was like, oh, it's kind of fun. Like, you can get ahead, you can do this, and, you know, you can, like, make things happen faster. But really, the the reason I got into, like, cooking, cooking for, like, pleasure and career was was a little bit out of, so my parents, I love them, and they are terrible cooks.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I really started cooking kind of out of self-defense. <laughs> um, which is which is a line i stole from a british comedy but um it's it's something that you know i always pursued flavor so that's something that's been a constant in my life like when i was a little kid and we go to the east coast and i don't or even i don't even remember these things but you'd go to a restaurant and parents go like, order whatever you want my, my brother would order a burger and fries or the chicken fingers. I'd be like, oh, I'll have the scallops. Oh, I'll have the lobster. You know, I'll have uh, you know whatever it was on the menu that I had never had before. That was what I was going to order. So it really started young. And then I really wanted to experience more flavor. So I started cooking at home. And then really what drove me to it was sort of a combination of that. And I hated school. So I really did not want to go to university. I had the marks for it. I could have done it, except that I really, really didn't want to. So I was really looking for an alternative. So and it was so either, I, either win the lottery or... Uh... <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I'm independently wealthy um, <laughs> or or do something else. And okay. and I, you know, I thought, well, you know, I watch all these cooking shows on PBS. And, you know, you're watching like The Urban Peasant and... Uh, oh yeah, I remember that know, one on that CBC oh, yeah. with,
0: uh, with that old good dude.
2: Uh, walk with Jan and all oh, that. Oh, I used to love that show. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all that kind of stuff, and you know, I was that stuff really interested me, and you know, I kind of, ha- kind of had to convince my parents that it was a viable career option.
0: Okay. Um, now, now, did you grow up here in Waterloo Region as well?
2: So I like we moved to Waterloo Region when I was in grade seven. Oh, okay. Um, so I mean, like, you know, all of my adolescence, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we, you know, I was born in Milton, so like really not far. Yeah. But, um, and then yeah, we moved here. So really, all the restaurant experience I ever had was was within Waterloo region. Yeah, I got into it because I was interested and because I was all, uh, trying to avoid other things. <laughs> um, and when I got into like a half decent restaurant, you know, at like seventeen years old, and then I started learning things and actually being shown things, you know, I really started to get a bit of a knack for it. And then I would move up quickly and uh, in whatever kitchen I was in. So. know it was kind of like you know what i can i can go to school for this i can you know get a get a diploma i it's a career it will pay me i'm enjoying myself right now Uh, so basically like that kind of came down to you okay well you can try it We'll well you know we'll fund your school you know i'm very blessed to have parents that pay for my schooling right and so yeah i i you know i did well at school partially because i've done that for years already you know i i kind of went to the went to school and made fun of the made fun of the other students but the chef when i was done my stuff and <laughs> they're struggling along like hey look at this guy he can't even cut a brunoise
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, so where did you go for your culinary education
2: uh so i did george brown toronto so and and that was great so at the time john higgins was just kind of like taking over that program and starting to really pull it forward and he was uh, he was great for me. Like he, you know, anytime I talked to him, he was there to say, you know, i you know, eat this, try this, taste this, you know, do this. Hey, do you want to? You know, I'm doing a James Beard dinner this weekend. Do you want to help? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Of course I do. Right. Which actually was awful because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I got one job, so I had one job, uh-huh. and the job was like a 16 liter pail of uh, shallots that he wanted in like a a very fine brunoise. So like super, super finely chopped, like and all perfect squares. So, you know, 16 liters of this and you're you're a kid and you're like, okay, well, it's a James Beard dinner. And and I remember remember the whole thing too. And it was like very distinct in my mind. So I said, well, how how fine chef, you know, how fine do you want this brunoise? He's like, and he's very Scottish guy. And he's like, you ever been to Collingwood? (laughs) Yeah, I've been to Collingwood. You ever been to the beach? Like, yeah, I've been to the beach. You know, the grains of sand on that beach. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, like that. (laughs) Like, you're just dying. Like, oh, no, but (laughs) as terrible as that, like, like several hours of, you know, doing one task was, I got really, really good at it. And you know, like he got me, he got me a job that I subsequently got fired from. <laughs> and, I, and, then, and then I went back to my, you know, I had in hand, yeah, I got fired. Okay. Well, did, did you learn something when you were there? Yeah. Do you know why you got fired? Yeah. Are you going to do that again? No. Great. Cool. Get another right. job. Yeah,
1: you know? that's true. And like, that's something that I guess we're maybe in this industry, you're a lot luckier than, that, than in other um, in other industries where it's like, there's always seems there's always going to be a job for you. Oh, and yeah. like, and, like even if you burn all your fucking bridges in one town, you can move <laughs> to another town where they don't know you <laughs> so.
2: or, or find for finds some people that didn't like the people that you burned bridges with. And then, right. You know, That's the other you know, way. Like, there's yeah. always some, some way to get in and especially, I mean, right now, everybody's having a hard time hiring, right? Yeah. It's, it's, there's definitely a job for you right now, you know? Sure. Uh, yeah, please
1: come back, people, come back. Yeah,
2: like anybody, please come back, please. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the whole industry needs people. And you, like you're seeing that in, in, in like service as a whole is like not just restaurants, but it's like any sort of like per, like uh, public interactive service industry job, people are not coming back. Mm-hmm. And, and from what I from what I understand from personal experience and from what I'm reading and from what I'm hearing from people that I know is they got away and and had some time to rest and their brains recovered from kind of like abuse of an industry as a whole and decided I'm never going back to that.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, And that is (laughs) kind of leads (laughs) to Is something that that um, has been sort of a major project for the last couple of years for me. Um, yeah,
1: let's yeah. talk a little bit about that. Okay, so and we'll we'll have we'll try and sort of have a discussion about some of this stuff because I I know I've obviously read a lot of your stuff on Instagram and uh, there's a lot of stuff that I think uh, that I completely agree with some other stuff maybe not so much so yep. we can have a little discussion about it. First of all, like. When you're talking about like abuse in the industry, specifically, you're talking about the long hours, the no breaks. So you're talking about, I don't know, fucking Gordon Ramsay style chefs. Like, what are we talking about?
2: Uh, all of it. <laughs> all, all <laughs> of it. Yeah. Like, there's, there's a there's a large variety of things. So you have and, and when I say the industry as a whole, I'm it's not. You know, a lot of people look at that and go like, oh, you're saying every single person in the industry. Right. Yeah. Play. And yeah. that's not what I'm saying.
1: No. And I, I I, think that would be a pretty ridiculous way to interpret what you're saying. So
2: yeah, Well, <laughs> yeah. that's definitely yeah. happened. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. but just just to put that out there. But, you know, if you look at the like general requirements of the job in, I guess, in any of the places I ever worked, they go against labor laws. Mm hmm. Like, very badly against labor laws. Sure. You uh, look at a lot of environments that foster that sort of Gordon Ramsay, you know, I'm the chef and I can scream and swear and do whatever I want, and you're supposed to bow down to me because I am chef and I am God, mm-hmm. you know? So that's, that's a very just like, generally, you can look at that and think... You know it's a, it's entertaining to watch it on tv sure um, it is not entertaining to be subject to it mm. and it's not it's not a happy way to live your life when you're the great gordon ramsay person. because i've done that too you know like i've been that guy that screams and yells and freaks out and you know over what like a plate of food
1: yeah you know that's an interesting point there and i think that like i bring this up on this show constantly like at the end of the day we're not splitting the fucking atom here. Like this is like we like if you're in the back of the house, you make food and you make it as well as you can make it. If you're in the front of the house, you're making drinks, you're bringing them to the tables like we need to get over ourselves a little bit. Like it's not it's we're not it's, we're not that big a deal.
2: Yeah, we're not saving lives. No, you know, we're not we're not changing the world. Um, you know, we're making some people hopefully happy for a few hours, you know, at a time. Yeah.
1: And I, I, I when I was younger, I was that kind of dick sometimes as well. And so what do you like just and not to cut you off, but like, what do you think big of you to admit that you were in that position yourself? So, like, what do you, did you think that would feel like it was just learned behavior? Because it doesn't seem like your personality. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: so, yeah, it's, it's very much learned behavior. Uh, it's one of those things that. So if you look at relationships, um, and so if you look at relationship abuse or relationship like things where there's a, a power struggle or a power structure where one person is sort of being oppressive to the other person, whether it's parent and child or however that works, there, it, there's basically, you know, it's like hurt people hurt people. Like that whole thing where, you know, like, that hit me so I hit my child so my child hits their child and it's sort of a progression where you're like I was treated this way so this is the way I know how to deal with this Mm -hmm. so that's how I deal with it so when I made a mistake people screamed at me so when people make mistakes I should scream at them
1: right and you can see it you can see it in like kitchens that I've worked in like in restaurants, so many kitchens where you can see it and it all comes definitely from the top where it's like if some if whoever's in charge is like the the head chef or whatever is behaving that way well then the people below them are going to behave that way and so on and forth and when those people move up in the industry and they get those jobs that's what they've that's it the, like they think that's how chefs are supposed to behave or yeah. if it's like a, a bartenders do it too like it's not all back of house I've seen like I I've, I've yelled at people and I've been yelled at
2: like yeah I, I think uh, yeah it's, it's not chef, certainly not chefs exclusively and it's not our industry exclusively like there's a you know there's a lot of bad behavior in general in, in the world mm-hmm. um, but really I, I like our big focus I think is not about like you know, yep, all those things happened. We we were perpetrators of some of it. Um, bad things happened to us. Bad, thing ha- bad things happened around us. We caused bad things to happen. But it's really about like, where where, where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. So okay, so I'd like right here, I'd like to
1: just interject and just and ask you like, okay, so now here you like this, and I want to get into where we go from here. But I just think this is a good time to talk about this. How do you react to like people who? look at some of the stuff you post on Instagram or whatever and it would be, because I've heard some of this like, it's sort of like, oh, who are these guys coming along and they're going to change the whole industry? Like, you, do you know what I mean? Like, like it's almost like sort of an ego thing or it's um, some people actually love their jobs in the industry and are like, they don't think it needs to change. So how do you answer those questions? I mean,
2: I, I also... What, so I don't think I'm going to change the industry as a whole right. um, I think that I have a small amount of influence with people that I can have private conversations with mm-hmm. and I put a lot of things out publicly for people to think about and talk about and they can certainly disagree with me and I'm, you know in general in life a lot of people are going to disagree with me and that's kind of You know, everyone comes from their own perspective. I also Mm. spent a lot of years thinking that, I really enjoy this and I love my job and nothing needs to change about this, this is great. Retrospectively for me, there were a lot of years where I was not doing well mentally or emotionally. And some of it was, you know, chemical imbalances. And, you know, a lot of it was exacerbated by the environment I was in.
1: Right.
2: So I, I think you find, you find for me, I find a lot more conversations about it. Um, I find a lot more people talking about, you know, these are the things that I came up through and I don't want to perpetrate them anymore. And so
1: and so, you're not like saying your goal isn't to say, oh, you guys have been doing everything wrong this whole time or and we have all the answers. <laughs> it's more just like... These are some things that you personally would like to see change. And and really, I mean that's why you get into business for yourself, right? Which is I know where you're intending to go with this. So it's like kinda like if I it's kinda like everybody does this You're just kind of doing it on a more public scale, I I would say. Like, everybody, every place I've ever worked, there's been people, and I'm sure I know for a fact it's happening in my places now, where people are standing around going like, oh, fuck, if I was in charge of this place, this, this, and this, this would be happening, right? Yeah, because everybody thinks they know they can do it better than the people they're working for. But, so it's kind of like that, but on a bit bit of a larger scale and sort of with a more focus on, like, like a a mental health um, slant on it.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and and a lot of that comes from you know having personal struggles with mental health, uh, going through you know that kind of thing with, with friends of mine, and talking through a lot of those things. You know, doing counseling, doing you know a lot of work on myself because you know, for me, I, I mean, for me to sit here and go like I know all the answers and I'm I'm great and everybody else is stupid would just be like, I don't I don't know. It's you know, it's idiot. Right. It, it doesn't make any sense. But I think what I'm putting out there overall is, you know, these are things I didn't like, these are the ways that I'd like to see them change. And here are some other people that are that agree with me. Right.
1: Okay, well, let's talk a little, a little bit about some of those things that you want to see change. Uh, I think this is probably a good time to mention that friend of the program who, one of our earliest guests, like I probably didn't know what the fuck I was doing back then, uh, was, is your uh, business partner and best friend, Wes Klassen. We love Wes. And that is episode number seven. Seven. Wow. Go check that out in the archives. <laughs> so, and you guys are actively now trying to get your own spot going. Yeah, Uh, and so talk to us a little bit about what what some of the things you're going to enact there that would be lead to a change in the industry and maybe helping some of these uh, help kind of level things out in a mental health perspective.
2: There's lots to kind of unpack there, but I'll I'll kind of start with with a couple of things. So uh, part of like part of what I'm like actually doing right now is a bit of like policy writing, right? So it's like code of conduct and that kind of thing, and. What it really comes down to is, so there's the concepts uh, in restaurants that we I'm sure we've all experienced that like, this is your, it's like your second family, it's your chosen family, you know, and... To think about that in a way of like, okay, so when we when I talk to you, so we're now we're working together, when I talk to you, we both come at those conversations with the assumption that the other person has has the other person. We each have each other's best interest in mind. And it's about aligning values. So like mm. we can disagree on things, but ultimately we have the values of, you know, we both want to enjoy our job. Uh, we both want to put out great products. We both want this restaurant to be as good as it can be. And we both want to feel fulfilled at the end of the day. So then like, how do we get, how do we get to that sort of ultimate goal of like, you're going to, you're having a great time. I've been having a great time. We can disagree, but we're still kind of a family. Mm-hmm. You know, like I argue with my brother, it doesn't mean we're not family or we don't love each other. Mm-hmm. So some of it is about communication. A lot of it is about communication um, and and in about the assumptions that we make about other people that are in the environment so if the assumption is that it's front of house versus back of house um, which happens a lot then it's more combative if it's we are actually a team environment and like i'm trying i'm helping you as much as i can you're helping me as much as you can and to come at those conversations with that perspective and remind ourselves of that consistently you know a lot of that sort of conflict You know dissipates still Mm. gonna exist there's still stress you know it's still a restaurant Um, yeah
1: so how do you find like the people the person on the other end who's going to come at it from the same perspective i guess is where i'm wondering like i it's very clear that you would be an easy person for me to talk to about that if i was in that position but you're also going to get like you know i mean people from all walks of life get into this uh, industry and some of them are
2: looking out for themselves yep for sure and and at the end of the day you know we're like so, I find that the more that I present that to other people, because I'm like I'm practicing this right now, you know, like like a lot of these sort of techniques of wh- like how I communicate with people, like I'm practicing that with people, and I'm fucking it up. Like I'm doing it wrong sometimes too.
1: That's how you get better. Um, like <laughs> that's how you
2: get better. As you make mistakes, But the more that I do it, the more that I find it reciprocates. Yeah, um,
1: okay. And
2: there are going to be there are absolutely going to be people that will not thrive in that environment. They won't like it. Um, and they'll probably
1: quit, right. and but, I guess that's the same as any kind of environment, right? Yeah. Like it's not like you, yeah, it's that's so much it's interesting because you're not you're not so much reinventing the wheel. you're just trying to come at it from a different angle that that might just be it it's just not the way the industry is sort of operated on a whole for so many years and and probably to the fault of the industry i mean if, if people are ha- if it's causing mental health issues for people and if people and there shouldn't be any kind of environment where people are getting yelled at and screamed at and shit thrown at them so yeah it's not like i don't know i think i think sometimes people hear some of this stuff in the industry and they're like what the fuck this is like we know what we're doing we got ourselves into this like and and not just like you're not really Trying to phrase this properly, but you're not proposing anything that drastic.
2: I, like I, at the end of the day, I think what we're what we're proposing is treating people like human beings with feelings and and you know See, that's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> you know people that people that come come from like that yeah come from unique perspectives and saying you know something's happening with you today and you know what's the reasoning behind like what's happening with you. That mm-hmm. like you're having like I'm gonna have a I have a t- terrible service today, but it's because my cat died or whatever, you know, whatever that is. And, and saying like instead of the, you know, looking at the the results of the of what's going on and going, Okay, you're having a bad service and so therefore you're being a bad cook today, it's like, you know, try to understand that where that person is coming from first. Right. And sometimes it's just they're having a bad service because they don't wanna be there and they don't like you and they don't want yeah. job. Sure. You know, that's that's gonna be a reality. Right. Um, but you can't just assume. Like, if you assume that and, and just go, "Hey, like you suck," then yeah, they're gonna, they're definitely gonna suck back.
1: Yeah, that's true. Actually,
2: um, okay. So let's
1: talk a little bit about. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, to me, that a lot of what you're saying here makes sense. Um, if we can get to a situation in the industry where people are at least thinking about each other while they're working together and recognizing that. <clears throat> The goal of everybody is for the success of the restaurant and i always try to preach this to my staff as well like if the restaurant does well everybody does well that's just how this industry works let's talk a little bit about the business side of this if you're okay with that so i know some and and this is where i'm coming at it because the the industry sort of run the same way for so many years and i've run my own businesses for a while now i just want to tackle sort of so you guys are going with the no tip model correct and we have had uh, we had a discussion, a roundtable. Uh, Dan will pull up the episode number for you guys to search in the archives. It Was very interesting with a chef from Pearl Morris set, and uh, what was the other restaurant in uh, oh, shoot. Stratford? That's right. bad. Well, it was a long time ago. We've done seventy-five episodes. Goddammit,
0: episode thirty-six. Thirty-six. It's called Roundtable on Tip Culture. Dispatch restaurant.
1: Dispatch, yes, and Pearl Morissette. Correct. So and so that's those are the kind of restaurants that you're sort of modeling your um, yeah. formula on. Yeah. Uh, so and we had an interesting conversation with them about how that would work. So let's extend that here with you. So a couple of my concerns about this are why well, the concern may not be the right way to phrase it. I like I My feeling is that it's going to be hard to pull this off unless a number of restaurants are doing it at the same time. Like if you're the only place in town doing it, I think it's I feel like it might be hard to get the concept across to the guests as to why they're paying more.
2: Yeah, I mean that's certainly a potential challenge um, you know anytime you're especially like anytime you're the first and we're not the first people doing it obviously like dispatch and rest and work yeah. and, um, and like those guys have been really great and supportive and we've had like lots of great conversations with um, with those guys actually those
0: guys are great yeah. yeah
2: you know and they're they're super willing to just like share information and talk about it and be like this, this is what we dealt with um, these were our benefits. You know, if you look at it from a guest perspective, yeah, it's going to take some education. I think at the end of the day, everything we're going to do is going to take some, some education. Right. Because, you know, not like, again, nothing we're doing is super crazy radical that it's, you know, not understandable. But, you know, we <coughs> want to do it in, a, in a, everything in a slightly different way. So educating the guest is going to be, it's going to be an extended process. Yeah, Um, The why you're paying more is going to have to be yeah part of our marketing, part of our like, Hey, this is what we do. You know, we do, we do know we have some like strong industry support from the guys from dispatch, from the guys from Pearl Morissette, from people like not nine to five um, who do like great mental health work for, for um, the industry, um, lots and lots of resources. And so, you know, we're really just, willing to (laughs) to take that challenge on and say you know we're going to talk about it all the time and Mm -hmm. and explain it to you and and demonstrate why it's better okay Um, you know it's kind of like let us show you why why what we're doing is better.
1: okay um like you were saying so you're you're trying to educate the guests at all times in this in in this fashion about why they're paying a little bit more now you're also going to have to obviously be providing some education to your staff about why they're not getting tips anymore and why that's preferable to them and can you also when you while you're answering this maybe you could try and uh, tie it into how you feel this um supports your uh overall uh goal of better mental mental health for your staff. yep
2: so one of the i mean one of the biggest encouragements we had from uh from adam from dispatch was that like when they went that with that model they attracted people that had that mentality like somewhat already where it was career people people that wanted to not have to rely on you know the whims of a guest to get tips Um, they wanted more stability over you know maybe a higher payout in a a better like pop pop in for your five hours and get your 300 bucks But, you know, you're at the whim of of the guests. They didn't Mm -hmm. want that anymore. So you attract different kinds of people. Basically what we've been told from people that have been doing this for a little while. Right. So there's that. The other thing about it is with the staff is tips. And I'm going to talk in generalities here uh, a little bit. But, you know, I don't think I've ever worked anywhere where tips weren't a source of infighting with the staff so whether it was I'm going to grab this table because I know they're big tippers Um, I'm going to hide my tips so that I don't have to share them Um, I'm upset that I have to share my tips with the kitchen the kitchen's upset because they don't think they get enough tips and so I I have (laughs) only I have never witnessed tips be something that didn't cause infighting with the staff and that was that always created you know this me against you kind of a thing and you know, it's it's money. Like, yeah, yeah. I want more money. You want more money. Like, of mm-hmm. course, I would love to get get more money and you know walk in for a few hours and, and make a bunch of tips. But I also don't want to be a. I also don't want to be a server. Right. You know. Right. Like. And. But. <clears throat> so at the end of the day, you know, if I'm not fighting with, you know, if I'm not fighting with the front of house or you know, the servers aren't fighting with each other or they're not like, you know, sort of going in and, and like it's human nature to kind of like try to take something for yourself you put aside some of that at least then there's less conflict overall mm-hmm. so less conflict you know I'm generally happier if I have less conflict I hate conflict right and so like you know a lot of my a lot of my yelling years it was like the conflict was so terrifying for me that I would just blow up so that the other person would run away and I wouldn't actually have to deal with it. Uh,
1: that's interesting. Right? Like <laughs> it's
2: it's like the it's like the fight or flight, but except except it's like fight flight or like just explode and all friends Right? <laughs> yeah. away, right? Who,
0: who can be the loudest? Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. Who can be the loud? Whoever's the loudest and seems and the scariest wins.
0: Mm-hmm. Ah, um,
2: interesting. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I think at, at the end of the day, the less conflict you can or, like, the more, the more ways you can eliminate potential conflicts within the, the staff and the group that you're have, hoping to have as the core, you know, the tighter you're going to be as a staff and the happier people are going to be. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, now, the only other thing that always worries me about the no-tip uh, formula is that so part of the reason, like, if I'm in a bad mood at work or whatever, or like you said, like, my cat is sick or whatever the fuck reason yeah. I'm just not feeling it that day, the tips are what motivates me to still give amazing service. Uh, um, Now I know the guys that we talked to um, on the round table were basically saying that they hadn't found that to be a problem at all in their, in their experience. But uh, does that consider, does that concern you at all? I mean, there's always
2: (laughs) in anything, I think like there's always going to be concern of like, you know, are people going to do a good job? And so if I look at my situation right now, like we don't make tips, we all make, You make an hourly wage. But the people that work for me care about what they're doing. And so, you know, if I'm not there, they're the the ones going, hey, this isn't right. We need to fix it. We need to do it better. We need to fix this. We need to do that. This isn't quite right. And it's because they care about, you know, the work itself. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, really, you are trying to attract quality people that care about the work. Is every single person going to be that way? Probably not.
1: And just like anywhere else, if they're not, then you move on and find different people. Like I guess that's reasonable. Like that makes total sense. So
2: what do you... <laughs> every environment is going to have going to have people that work great or work badly, um, you know, based on different motivations. And like tips can tips are a great motivation for some people, and they aren't for other people. Okay. okay. Uh,
1: and, yeah, and you're right about that. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but I'm curious. Like, what would be a reasonable uh, hourly wage to offer a server that's used to making like two three hundred four hundred dollars a night in tips
2: so we're, we're we're still doing
1: the math on that okay part. well that's fair like I do I just I'm just curious but uh, okay so let's, let's talk about the other part of this uh, business model which is the work-life balance which I know is very important yeah. to you as well uh, explain to the listeners exactly what that means and more explain to me because like i own a business and i don't have any days off so i would like to know how you're gonna pull it off.
2: <laughs> so like as far as uh as far as like the staffing is concerned you know we've we've done some modeling with, with scheduling and being able to cover all the shifts being able to cover having enough staff that you can cover somebody's sick day somebody's vacation without being totally strapped all that kind of stuff um and and we basically work on like a Restaurants open, you know, five days a week, and people work a four-day work week. So, you know, it doesn't require all the staff all the time. You know, there's there's room for switching around. It's a dinner it's a dinner service only, so you're not doing lunch service. So that, like that's kind of our model that way. And like I've i kind of done the math out with like how many people I need to cover however many seats in the restaurant, so that we can give good service, etc. Et so that that's what it is for them. And then honestly, for us, uh, like for the owners of the restaurant, it's it's really about setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. So I so I manage the butcher shop, right? And so like any other place that I manage, I w- I worked seven days a week. Like didn't right. matter if I was there or whatever. But now I don't. On my days off the staff leave me alone and they make their own decisions because they've been been empowered to make their own decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, they've been shown like, when this goes wrong, this is what you can do. And like, that takes some time for people to feel comfortable making those decisions. But on my days off on my vacations, like, unless it's, you know, dire circumstances, nobody, nobody asks me anything because the boundary has been set. So Mm -hmm. this is my day off. And then on your day off, I'm not going to bother you. It goes both ways, right? It's not, I'm not going to be like, hey, what did you do with this? Hey, where's this? Hey, do you have that? Oh, did this happen yesterday? Like, they're gone. And they have learned to communicate things before they leave so that when I walk in after a day off and it's their day off, I still know what's happening. Right. So it's, it's a lot about, for, for me, it's been a lot about conditioning myself to say this is a boundary and, like, you know, there's always, you know, shouldn't say always, but there, there's... There's always going to be something where there's an exception, right? But generally, for me, the exception is like 10 minutes on my day off. It's True. not... Uh,
1: yeah, like, I mean, if the fucking place was burning down, someone's going to call you. call me when it's, but it's
2: but burned, but it's but burned down the ground. Call yeah. me and tell me I don't have to come in tomorrow because it burned to the ground. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, another day off. <laughs> like, uh, you know, just let me know, and, and, you know <laughs> and be like, all right, well, you know, we'll see you guys around. But, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, at the end of the day, for, for me, it's it's generally been about boundaries and been about like, you know, being clear about it. And also giving people the, the same amount of respect on the, on the other end where it's like, this is your day off and I'm not going to bother you with work stuff because it mm-hmm. you don't need to think about it right now. Yeah. And it will be easier
1: for you as well having a partnership. In the ownership group, because then, like, if my, I, I'm just uh, guessing, but I'm assuming, like, if one of you's there, not there, the other one probably would be. So yeah, yeah so that makes it easier as well. Like, it, uh, but I, I like your idea of the boundaries, because even if you're a sole proprietor type situation, you should be able to have a day off or, like, I f- basically what I find is that I'm just strapped to this fucking phone <laughs> at, at all times like it's just constantly going off with email phone call text it's like i'm currently running one and o- trying to open another one at the same time and so there's just always something and a lot of these decisions maybe i need to let go a little bit but a lot of these decisions i want to be making <laughs> because it's important to me it's my vision of the place right so but but uh, but i probably should be getting better maybe getting a little bit better at empowering people to make some of these decisions for me. I just, uh, sometimes I just don't know how to let go. Help me, John, help me.
2: (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, uh, find a therapist. Um, (laughs) Spend a few thousand dollars in a couple of years. (laughs) That's not the first time I've heard that. (laughs) I
0: I tell you every time I see you.
2: Honestly, honestly, for me, I was was not capable of doing that on my own. So, I had a lot of pushing from my wife uh, to say, set some boundaries because my wife works a normal job. Right. Right. And like I say normal as in like she doesn't work in the industry. So (laughs) she does social work and that's it's an emotionally heavy job. So she has to make those boundaries Mm -hmm. because if you allow that to bleed into the rest of your life, then it becomes your whole life and you don't have that mental break. Um, like away from, you know, that sort of like emotional and mental stress. Mm-hmm. And I think like the, 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 principle is the same where you have to work yourself and you have to work yourself up to it. Like you can't just be like tomorrow I'm taking, you know, two days off a week and nobody ever talked to me because you know, that's not going to work. No. And yeah, it takes time and it takes training and it takes a lot of effort up front but then, you know, it, it pays off more long term. And like with you opening a restaurant right now, like I, I would be the same way, Like because at that point, you know, if I'm op- like when we hopefully open this new place, yeah, I'm probably going to work seven days a week. And well, not- yeah,
1: there's no way around that, because like and I'll just tell you, like uh, you guys are like, I know you haven't done this before, but you're in for it. Like it's just these fucking decisions all the time that need your attention. And that but that does cool off quite a bit once you're open like it never goes completely away obviously but um you can definitely delegate a lot more once you're open but for certainly for the opening part there's no way around it kind of yeah you
2: just you have to make a million decisions and you know time time's crunching away and you know you're mm-hmm. trying to get open so that you're not like continuing to lose money on you know or lose other people's money, you know. So yeah. I
0: mean, yeah. Speaking of other people's money, now uh, have you talked to like any potential investors at all? And when you yeah. when you talk about this, but what's their reaction like to something like Because obviously in one of the regions is something we haven't seen very much of, if any at yeah. all. So
2: So I mean, general reactions have been I mean, it's been varied really. Like some yeah, people all over the board, you know, right? You, yeah. Some people are, are like, Oh wow. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't really think of that as being, you know, something that you might not want to do. And then you talk about the reason and they're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. And like, yeah, we still want to invest and in, you know, we believe in you guys and and we like what you do like as you know, food and wine and, yeah. and service and things like that. So we believe in you and we want to support you in this. Other people are kind of like, Oh, you're going to go with a no tip model. Oh, that's interesting. Like do you think you can make it work. And we just kind of say, well, yeah, we do think we can work, make it work. And here are the reasons we think we can make it work. Here are some examples of people who have made it work. Yeah. That's important to have. Yeah. And then, yeah. And, and, and to have those contacts where you, you've had those conversations and say, also say upfront, you know, though, like those guys that have had those experiences have already gone through some of those hardships Mm -hmm. before you. And so they're also, they also give you some warnings ahead of time. It's like, Hey, like, you're going to want to do this and be upfront about it like right away because mm-hmm. if you're not if you you know don't start an interview with anybody like don't even have them come in and talk to you unless they know you're not doing tips right yeah yeah, like yeah. you're wasting your time
1: i know i i, I've, I so i do tip pools and yeah. i've even had that issue with like that where now i've mentioned it before anything starts like yeah. but in the interview i'm like okay just so you know this is what we do in my place as a business if that's mm-hmm. not for you that's cool. cool. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, you don't want to work here. That's fine. Cause some people don't even want to do tip pools. So yeah. yeah and, and we, we know the reasons why, right. It's yeah. generally greed. <laughs> but I also think that in much in the way that maybe people aren't looking at like the no tip model in the long term or big picture way, they also don't look at the tip pool picture that way. It's like, if, if we are all working together as a unit, then we're all going to make more money down the road. Like, Yes, but yeah,
2: like there, there's there's ways of doing all those things. And and really, it comes uh, at the end of the day, it comes down to, you know, the work environment as a whole, where, you know, if we're actually if I actually care about you and you care about me, then we're going to work that way. Right. If, I, if I'm out for myself, regardless of whether it's, you know, my own tips, tip pool, no tips, you know whatever, some other system we've all never heard of, that's the perfect solution to the restaurant the industry. You know, there's going to be somebody that is not going to fit into that and not pull their weight. Right. Yeah. That's going gonna, gonna to exist. That's how it is. You ever worked in a, like, I've never worked in a place where, you know, at least at some point along the way, you didn't have people that didn't pull their weight. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter whether they got tips or no tips or whatever. It was like, yep, somebody's not going to pull their weight because they don't want to work.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to give you uh, one more question of just stuff I've heard, just shit in it that's out there. So, uh, like, And just for the record, you do not hate the service industry. This is correct. Right? No, I don't. I'm,
2: <laughs> wanting, I'm wanting to go back into the service industry. I don't right. hate the service
1: industry. Okay. That's good. And I'm glad. Okay, well, I wish you guys all the best. And definitely, I think no matter what anyone's opinion is on what you guys specifically are doing, I think we can all agree that there's need to be some positive changes in the service industry as a whole, and you guys are purveyors of that, so that's good for everyone. Cool. So thanks, man. Thanks for giving us your time. We appreciate you coming on. Oh, and
0: uh, one last question: oh, if yeah. someone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way if they're interested in uh, reaching you, either to work for you or invest in you? Invest uh, with your brand? So,
2: quick, quickest way to get a hold of me is through uh, DMs on Instagram. So it would be Cook John Rennie Cook. So at Cook John Rennie Cook, and fire me a DM.
0: Perfect. I'll I'll put the link to that in the show notes if anyone's
1: interested. Yeah. yeah, thanks a lot, John. I appreciate you coming on and like taking some a little bit of the pushback questions. Uh, you handled yeah. everything great. So, thanks thanks, thanks again. Thanks guys. Yeah, have Thank a good you. night.